Okay, Chris, uh, this is one thing I never expected myself to be doing on a Friday night uh, in my underwear. But if you need it, there you go. This is Behind the Cut with Christopher Grenland, the companion show to Not About Lumberjacks. That opening clip is my friend Mark Hosick talking about a request I dropped on him at the last minute to record orc sounds for the latest episode of Not About Lumberjacks, a story called The Other Side. Here's a little chat between us after Mark had recorded his bit. So what did you think when I asked you out of the blue to voice an orc for The Other Side? I thought it was very strange, but I've read your work before and I know that things can pop out of the blue and uh, so I was taken back for a minute and then my next thought was an orc voice I I don't think I've ever done an orc voice uh, before and uh, I thought why not and and uh, just snarled into the microphone uh, not too much surprises me these days. Uh, not that I've seen it all, but you know, uh, I've seen a lot. How did you go about approaching your three minutes of grunting and recording orcish dialogue? I, it was just, you know, actors don't always know where it comes from. They channel something, you know, uh, both inside of them and outside of them. And I think I just tapped into that great big orc in the sky. And uh, it just kind of let them flow through me. As you delve into audio fiction yourself, Mark, what do you like most about producing audio fiction? Uh, probably learning from you, uh, because I, I've had no idea how to produce audio fiction. Uh, it's very painful for me. I... I the orc thing was fine because it only lasted three minutes, but reading audio fiction is, at least my reading my own stuff is very painful for me to do, uh, yet we do it because we're crazy. And uh, is there anything enjoyable about it? Uh, oh gosh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I enjoy editing, so, so that's what I do. So I, I like editing. And, uh, uh, and then the actual delivery part of me, if it is me saying, uh, uh, and stammering a lot. So there's a lot of editing cause I got to cut all that stuff out. So the other side is the second short story written specifically for not about lumberjacks. Episode four, Horace was the first. The other side came about during a brainstorming session on my lunch break at work. That's also where most of the story was written. It started out as a scrawled idea in a notebook. Guy sneaks into childhood home. In back of closet, a portal. Divorced? Bombed. Wants to go back. It obviously grew from there, and I had a lot to pull from. So many of us were raised on portal stories like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and recently, kids are growing up on the Harry Potter series. The portal story that changed my life came when I was about two months into my 12th year when I saw Terry Gilliam's movie Time Bandits. 
I wanted to be Kevin more than I wanted to be anything at the time. What struck me about Time Bandits wasn't that it was a chosen one story in which Kevin saved the world at the end. Instead, it was this quirky thing that I fell in love with in part because it was different. It didn't have a particularly happy ending, and I kind of like that. At the time, I wasn't a particularly happy kid, and I identified with it. Initially, I thought I'd give Daniel a happy ending in the other side by having him go through the portal and rekindle a romance with somebody he knew there during his teen years. But that seemed like a cop-out, especially when the story before this episode, Rabbit Eyes, touched on a similar theme. So I asked myself, what would I do as an adult if presented with a portal to another realm today? What would it be like? Would I really want to go to a land overrun by orcs and goblins? <laughs> That's my friend Sean Kupfer. Like Mark Hosick, I asked Sean to voice an orc for the story. Sean and I do a weekly podcast called Men in Gorilla Suits, and before we recorded just a few days ago, we had a little bit of a chat about him voicing an orc. Here's a little bit from that discussion. So what did you think when I contacted you at the last minute asking you to grunt and howl and make a bunch of orc sounds and read orc dialogue? I mean, the best word for it would be, finally! Exactly. It's about goddamn time. No, it was uh, it was pretty much like I've been hoping you'd ask me to do something to contribute because I really like the podcast. And 30 episodes ago, I had you on my radio show. Yes. So I was like, I owe him one. So I was more than happy to do it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's about time. I can do this. An orc. I'm totally down with playing an orc. I got my drama minor. I can play an orc. And you got your drama minor from the University of Nebraska in Omaha. At correct? Omaha. At, at not Omaha. Not the good one. Not the but good not ones. the terrible one, as we've covered before, you and I. So you have a minor in drama, which means that you've at least stood on a stage and done some stuff. So how'd you approach the whole orc voice? Did you just look at it as, oh, this is just a thing where I got to knock out these lines and then grunt? Or did you like assume anything more than that? Uh, well, when I did the voice, I kind of already knew in my head what an orc voice was going to sound like. And I just went ahead and did it. I was having like really bad sinus problems that night and that actually helped. But after I sent it to you, I started putting together a background for the character. Um, I decided his name was Steve the Orc, uh, capital S, lowercase T, capital O, Steve the Orc. And Steve the Orc worked in, uh, purchasing and receiving for the orcs. And he had a nice desk job and everything. But one of these days he just, you know, the trouble with being real, man, he decided, wanted to go off to the horde. Yeah, he needed to go out and run with the horde. And, you know, he's he's not a very physically imposing orc, Steve. So he he kind of makes up for it with his scary voice. And he just wanted to impress the other orcs. But he wasn't really much of a fighter. Because... Oh, God, no. Uh, he was not one of the ones that survived. I've, I've, yeah, Steve went down first. Steve, you know, he had little man's disease, like Napoleon syndrome. Yeah. Like he was the first to rush in the attack. And he was also the first to just get taken he was, took the first hit like steve was gone immediately cleaved probably in half by and, mr tumner yeah and he was thinking at that time he's like i just left a secure job with a 401k which was fish heads i just left a secure job with a 401k for this like yes you know he his life flashed before his little orc eyes right at the end and he decided it wasn't worth it but too late then and that's why most of us just stick with our day jobs yeah yeah so if you're out there and you're in purchasing and receiving don't go run with a outlaw biker gang. Speaking of day jobs, 
One Sunday night a handful of years ago when I had a job that I wasn't particularly fond of, my wife came back to the office and said, there's something glowing in the bushes downstairs. I went to a window with her and looked out, and she was right, there was an amber glow in the bushes beneath us. When we went downstairs to investigate, we discovered the glow was a reflection of a patio light on a key attached to a lanyard hanging in the bushes. Before thinking logically and coming to the conclusion that the key was probably worn by a kid who had it taken from him by a bully and then thrown into the bushes, my first thought was to dig around in the dirt for a trap door that the key opened. And why wouldn't I think like that? I was conditioned from a young age through stories that there are portals to other places and we go through them and have these adventures. My wife and I joked about it because those were her initial thoughts as well. This key opens something magical. But then, even though I was dreading going into work the next day, the thought of going to another realm and potentially seeing something terrible happen to my wife ensured that if a portal to another realm opened, I would not step through. Despite having a bad day job at the time, life wasn't unbearable, and it definitely wasn't dangerous. Most of us listening to this live a life of relative security, at least to the point that we're not going to be killed by monsters, or even wild animals like some people face right now here on Earth. We all have it pretty good, and I wanted Daniel to realize that and give stepping through to the other side some serious thought. The story became much more meaningful than I imagined, something I hope many people raised on those kinds of fantasy stories could relate to. Add to it the recording help of several friends, and I love the way this episode turned out. (laughs) That's Rick Coast. Rick does an audio drama called The Behemoth. Really, if you like Not About Lumberjacks, you need to thank Rick. It was the production values on his old show, Evolution Talk, that made me aspire to making a new show that sounded better than anything I had ever recorded or imagined. The combination of writing and recording is something I love, and so does Rick. So Rick, what did you think when I asked you to record not only lines said by orcs, but also random orc sounds? How did you go about preparing for such a strange request? I really wanted to get the files out to you as soon as I could. So I got up around 4.30 that morning and I fired up the uh, recording equipment. And my office is in the attic and you get there from the bedroom. It's a walk-up attic office. Mandy was still sleeping, so I was pretty sure I was going to wake her up. So there I was. I was grunting and laughing and snorting. And the whole time I kept waiting for a voice to come up from behind me saying, What the hell are you doing? And funny thing is, she actually slept through the whole thing. <laughs> I totally understand that. I usually do most of my recording in the evening when Cynthia's often asleep. And a lot of times I'm really concerned that I'm waking her up with whatever it is I'm recording and shouting. You recently made the jump from a weekly educational podcast to a weekly audio fiction show. What made you decide to set that aside and begin recording audio dramas? For a couple of years, I produced a podcast called Evolution Talk, which was all about evolution and, you know, Charles Darwin and all that. It had been a while since I had produced any works of fiction, and then I heard not about lumberjacks. Now, you had turned me on to James Urbaniak's show, and I loved that one as well. So I'm listening to all of this wonderful fiction being produced as audio, and I really wanted to do one of my own or something like it. And I'd always had this idea about a, a large lumbering beast making its way across America, So I put E.T., our evolution talk, on hold, and the behemoth was born. 
What do you like most about recording audio dramas? I love the freedom of audio drama. With um, Evolution Talk, there was freedom in the presentation, but not the subject matter. I had to make sure that what I was saying was, you know, fact-based. It had to be peer-reviewed and, well, it also had to be accurate, too. With audio drama, I can pretty much create any world I want to. I can defy the laws of physics. I can defy evolution, and I do that in the behemoth. Evolutionarily speaking, that creature shouldn't and couldn't really exist, but it does. In that world, the world of Madison, the behemoth is real. That's one of the things I love most about audio fiction, making something written down seem more real through recording. Being able to enlist the help of these friends only makes it better. I mention these friendships because Mark, Sean, and Rick, and so many other friends and family inspire me to great things. In its own way, the other side is about the death of childhood, but it's also about how adulthood can be a very cool thing, despite the responsibilities and hardships that can come with it. In the end, Daniel doesn't step through the portal, but he does reunite with an old friend in much the way many of us have through social media and other means. If the worst life gets is remembering old memories while making new memories along the way with people we care about, how bad is that? Thank you for listening to Not About Lumberjacks and Behind the Cut. Theme music for Behind the Cut is a tune called Reaper by Hrazen. A big thanks to Mark Hosick, Sean Kupfer, and Rick Coast for their help. You can go to the Internet Movie Database and type Mark Hosick, and that last name is spelled H-O-S-A-C-K, to check out movies Mark has written, directed, and edited, or you could just go to markhosick.com for information. Sean Kupfer is the host of the Metal DNA Show, which airs Saturday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Adobe Howl. You can listen at Adobe, and that's I-D-O-B-I, adobe.com slash howl, or check out his blog at 47echo.wordpress.com. That's 47echo.wordpress.com. Rick Coast's The Behemoth can be heard at thebehemothseries.com, or go to rickcoast.com, and his last name is spelled C-O-S-T-E, to see all he has planned. He has a lot going on right now. And of course, you can visit nolumberjacks.com for information about the music, episodes, and voice talent. If you enjoy Not About Lumberjacks and Behind the Cup, please share it or leave a review on iTunes. In two weeks on Not About Lumberjacks, a woman is given a pocket watch by her late grandfather that does a lot more than just tell time. Until next time, be mighty and keep your axes sharp. (laughs) 